You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby, here with my good friend and co-host Jerry, and every episode, we're going to be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how the past does not have to be your future. And so even if you had a good past or a bad past or, or whatever you think about it, how does that affect, you know, what is happening right now? And then also what's going to happen in the future. So how does the past affect, you know, what's going on now and then possibly in the future as well? Man, oh man, with this topic, we are uh, really digging deep. Uh, I had to dig deep on this one and dredge up some of that stuff I like to keep pushed down. But it was uh, pretty enlightening. And what I really like about this topic for us is how our paths are so different and how they've got us kind of to this spot now and how, whether it was good or bad, uh, you and I are not letting our past define us. We're, uh, we've both had to overcome certain challenges on a way different level, but we are using those to kind of uh, project ourselves forward. And the one thing uh, I just wanted to get out there on this one, you know, I've, I've shared on the podcast before some of my past and, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more of it today, but I always look at, I have a responsibility to make my family or my name better than it was given to me. And so it's not necessarily that I'm looking to be the most valuable player. I guess I think I'm looking for that most improved player award. And if I can be a better parent and leave my next generation better than I received it, then I think I've done my job because my expectation of my kids is to do the same thing. They have to build on what I'm giving them uh, for the next generation after that. And I think, especially when it comes to like success or even like money, this is huge because, you know, I've got friends that their parents were better in business or better with finances than mine were. So that put them in a better position and to watch them build on that. And then it's going to put their kids in a better position. So Basically, I kind of looked like I was starting from ground zero on that. And so I need to leave and put my kids in a better position than uh, the position I receive. It's kind of the the roundabout way of how I look at it. I like I like that a lot. And so I, I'm of the same mindset is um, I just I always use this motto. And as we're building, you know, the, the real estate team as well is like, no matter what, we always want to leave people better off than when they found us. And so anybody that comes in contact with me, my number one goal for one is to leave them better off than when they originally met me, but even with my family as well. So the thing I'm always telling my boys is that I want them to be better than me. I've, I've kind of like modified that a little bit to the fact of what I really want them to do is to maximize their full potential. And so I don't want them to think like, 
you know, if they, they've got to make more money than me or they've got to, you know, do different things better than me or whatever else, because in all actuality, as far as results go, they might, and they might not make as much money as I do, or they might not be as good as me or, you know, use jujitsu. We all do jujitsu. They might not win as many matches as me, but the one thing I do want them to do is to maximize their potential, you know? And so with the resources that the Lord gave them, I want them to maximize them out to 100%. So that's kind of what I've been talking to them more about lately uh, as they're just, you know, growing and learning different things because, you know, we just had like a jujitsu tournament. They did their second jujitsu tournament just here recently. And so Braden actually got his first silver medal, which was like devastating to him. <laughs> and uh, I kind of shared this on a live. If, if you're, if people, if you're in our, like our Facebook group, the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Facebook group, like I already shared this kind of, but uh, the thing is, is like, he was so sad that he got second place. And I think he was sad because he thought I wasn't going to be proud of him. And so I just, you know, we had to kind of go through the whole thing of like, I'm proud of you because you're my son. I'm not proud of you because of the results you get. And then we went down this, this conversation of, you know, you need to do the best with your talents. Like the Lord has given you certain talents and resources. And the thing is, you need to maximize those out. And like, that is the best thing that you can do, you know? And so I think it's really good. Like what you just said, like you want to set your family up for success. And so, you know, obviously that for us, we live in a monetary world and that's kind of how we do things here. And so like trying to do the best that we can there and then setting them up for, you know, how great they can be forward. Like my parents did that definitely for me. And so that's like something that I want to pass on as well. Yeah. And as we're looking at this, um, you know, the one thing that we all have in common is that we all have this the past that kind of defines how we look at things. And really it's the lens that we look at life. Uh, we kind of were talking about the difference between you and I and growing up in that I typically look at my past in a negative light where uh, most things were extremely, you know, volatile and negative And like, there's not a ton of positives that I take away from my, like my childhood. And that really creeped itself into, into my, 20s and where growing up in a rough situation um what that did is i always say i gave my 20s away because i was angry you know i was just pissed off all the time at everything <laughs> and so i didn't really start to kind of wrap my head around that until my 30s so i always you know say like you know i lost my childhood to my situation and then i lost my 20s uh, to how I responded to that situation and, and and not processing it and being angry about it and so all that being said, it's, you know, we all, every one of us looks at like our future through the lens of our past. And uh, sometimes that's good. And uh, sometimes it's bad. I mean, most people you talk to uh, some of the things, some of the biggest issues that are in their way are, you know, from their past. And it's, you know, it gets in their way of moving their future forward, Uh, whether that be in, in relationships, I see it in the church, in business, in athletics. I mean, you see it everywhere that the past is definitely defining how people are moving forward in the future. For sure. And so that's like really the main focus that we're going to focus on here, right? So does the past mean, uh, does it define what our future is going to be? And what does that kind of look like? And so as I was re- like, as I was kind of like getting prepared for this 
you know, for us to do this talk. One of the other things that I thought about, which is like one of my main like verses that I really like, especially um, in the Bible, we didn't really talk about this before we got on the podcast, but it just, you know, I had it down on my notes here is like second Corinthians five seventeen, And it basically says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so it's like the old is like, is gone away. And so depending on how we want to move on in the future, like your future can be exactly, you know, can be what you want it to be. And if obviously if you're in Christ, then that future looks a certain way, you know what I mean? And so your old life, what you've done in the past has been wiped clean, which is absolutely awesome. And then you can like move forward with Christ in that. And so that's like one of the things that I think of. And like, I always go back to whenever I like am thinking about, you know, things that have happened in the past and what's going to happen in the, and what's going to happen in the future is kind of, kind of that, uh, what he like promises there. And so from spiritual standpoint, like 100%, like that kind of gives me a positive outlook on things because of what, what Christ has like done for us. And so that is like one of the main things that I was kind of thinking about as well as we like, we're getting ready for this. Yeah. I think what that does is that helps you to, I think the biggest hurdle is fear uh, for everyone. And I think it's, there's, that shows up at, in so many different ways. Um, in the book, Turning Pro, uh, I think you and I talked about this a couple of times uh, by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about fear is the primary color of the amateur's interior world. Uh, fear of failure. Uh, you know, we, a lot of people live in that. Fear of success. Uh, I think this is a big one that people don't talk about a lot. Like if, you know, for me, so here I am making all these transitions in my 40s and 50s. Uh, what does that look like? Um, I, I never lived what, you know, quote unquote, with success. So at times I'm afraid of that because I don't know what that looks like. It's some, it's something new for me. Uh, fear of looking foolish, fear of underachieving. You know, I don't want to, you know, I hear that be, you know, I don't think I can do that. So I'm not going to do it. Fear of poverty, fear of loneliness, fear of death. So he just talks about all those, you know, the amateur is terrified uh, that if the tribe should ever discover who he really is, he will be kicked out in the cold to die. And I think fear is just such a huge driving motivation for everyone. And it really shows up because we're afraid of who we are based on our past because we're looking at it through that lens. Definitely. I think definitely fear is is spot on for sure. Like fear of, yeah, just fear in general. And so I, I like what, uh, what you're saying there. One of the things that I also like had a changing of and that's kind of changed for me is like, I actually have, I came to the realization is that I have a choice. Like I can either be fearful or I can be excited or, you know, ready for what's going to come in the future. And so for a lot of times I would just default to fear and, the truth of the matter is, is like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so if you don't know what's going to happen in the future, like you, you actually have a choice. You can either be fearful or you can be excited about it. But depending on how you look at it and what perspective you want to look at it from, that's going to change how you react to things. And so it took a lot of work. It took a lot of work for me to start to realize that I do actually have a choice in that. And then as those things happen, I also have a choice in my response. So there's a, I only like to control the things that I can control. And that's one thing that 
I can control when, you know, looking at the future is my response and then what I think and how I respond to what's going to happen in the future, you know? Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to, you know, our past defining our future, I mean, take a look at all the stories that you're drawn to whenever you, you hear of people's success or how they're getting things done or how they overcame something. It's typically brought on by, um, something that got screwed up in their life in their past. And whether that be uh, a self-inflicted wound or a wound that was, you know, inflicted upon them by someone else, emotional, physical, you know, the best stories that we hear are the overcomer stories of a bad past. And that's, uh, you know, so if you look at just that, I mean, those are the stories that speak to people. 100%. And then the, the the thing that I look back on is like exactly what I just said is like, when something bad happens, like, how are you going to respond to it? Right? Am I going to just lay down and take it and just say, man, since this happened, like, I can't do anything? Or are you actually going to, you know, rise up and then try to make that better? Because the true thing about it is exactly what you're saying. Like, when something bad happens, we like, we contemplate, and if you overcome what has happened in something bad, then actually you've, the way I look at it is that you've just been given a gift, right? And so because of those things and because of what happened to you, you have a perspective and you can help people in a way that people that have not had that experience can actually be able to help. So I think that's like 100% correct. Yeah, the other thing is, as whenever we kind of get stuck in a situation, it's because we're trapping ourselves in the person think that we think we are. And what that's doing is that's eliminating us from being the person that we could be or the person we know we should be. And uh, I think we all think internally that we could be better than we are. And it's the, it's the things that we put in our way. And it's typically ourself that we put in, in our way uh, that's going to keep us from being the person that we either know we should be or that we know we could be. Definitely. And then Henry Ford is the guy who said, like, whether you think you can or you can't, like, you are right. And so I heard that quote, like, a few years ago. And I was like, this was around the same time, like, I was, you know, changing and figuring out, like, um, you know, you have a choice in how you respond to things. And I was like, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I was like, man, that's, like, crazy, like, when you think about it. So, like, no matter what, when I start something, if I think it can't be done, if something is impossible, then, you know, my response to how I do something is going to be different than if I think that I can do something. And so just like your whole demeanor and like your whole attitude towards something changes, whether you think it's possible or not. And so one of the exercises like I went through and, and I started in order to like help develop my mind on this concept is like I started learning about uh, neuro-linguistic programming, right? And so that's like, not really like talking, like it's not really like a manifestation thing, but like as a human, you know, there we can actually reason and like figure things out. And so that's going back to this quote, like whether you think you can or you can't, you're right, is like, for instance, if like I wanted to start my own business. Right. So whenever I got into real estate, I, um, nobody I, in my family or immediate family was in real estate and, um, like where I am today, I would have never thought 
I would be here right now. Like everything about it is just mind blowing. So like to how much money I've made to acquiring properties, to flipping properties, to like doing all that stuff, like where I was in 2012, like I would never think that would be where I'm at right now. And so because you think you don't think you can do it doesn't mean it's not possible. And so one of the exercises, so just to, to go back on this is like, one of the exercises that they did is they said, okay, close your eyes. I was reading this. It's a neuro-linguistic programming book. It says, close your eyes and think of a place that you'd like to go, like, you know, Tahiti or like Hawaii or whatever. I've never been to Hawaii, but it's like, you can imagine yourself being in Hawaii and they're like, could you be in Hawaii? And could you write your name with your left hand in the sand? And like, it sounds really simple. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, like I could get a ticket, fly to Hawaii, like go on the beach, get, take my left hand and write, you know, my name in the sand with my left hand. Well, the fact of the matter is like, that's never happened. Like I've never done it, but like, it can be done. Like I literally just have to think it, it like, think what the end result is and then I can get there. And so it's like the same thing with anything else that we're doing, even though we try to like make it this abstract thing that we can't do, like owning properties or making a certain amount of money or whatever your goal is, like you just have to basically look at the end result and your mind will connect those two together. Even though it's never been done, you can do it and get there. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, that's, it does. that's like- I kind of want to connect it back though. So like you're like, that's the future. But so then how does your past affect the hurdle of you getting there in your mind? Like what were the, as you're working through that thought, um, what is it about how you look at life affects how you think about getting to Hawaii? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but I think it's just the fact of like, I know I could just get a plane ticket and go to Hawaii, right? Yeah. So, but like, I, I automatically go to, like, if you told your dad, hey, I'm getting, uh, and, and for me, like, I always bring dad into it because I guess that just kind of magnifies my daddy issues. <laughs> and <laughs> so I always bring your dad into it. So if you told your dad, hey, I'm getting a ticket, going to Hawaii, and going to write my name on the beach, like, what's his response to something like that? Well, his response probably like, well, why do you want to do that? But he'd, he'd definitely be like, yeah, you can do it for sure. You know, yeah. but he would, but he'd be like, why would you want to do that? But he would be encouraging. Like my pops is like, he's yeah. always encouraging of everything. Okay. And so we kind of talked about that. So let's, t- let's take a step back. And this is one of the biggest differences in, in our past. And so you had, you had mentioned before we jumped on the recording about how that encouragement may have also been a hurdle. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. So I get yeah, where you're yeah. <laughs> you're trying to draw me in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel that for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, and so what I would say is is um I'll just pull it back to the example because I was always doing sports and that sort of thing. And so my parents like they always told me that I was the best. And they always told me that like I could be anything that I wanted to be, right? And so in that though, like if my parents told me I was the best, like on, on a, any sports team or something like that, like as I looked around, I might say, like, I'd look around, I'd be like, well, I'm not like, I'm not actually the best player on this team. Like I'm good, but I'm not the best player on this team. And so the thing that I, you know, I feel like that hindered me going into the future because in my head, like I knew I wasn't the best, but my parents always told me I was the best. And so 
there was like a conflict there that I like couldn't reconcile, especially as a, as a kid. It's like, okay, my parents are telling me I'm the best, but as I look around, like I'm a lot of times I was the fastest on my team, but like, I'm just going to use this as an example. Like sometimes I wasn't the fastest. And so it's like, they're like, okay, you're the best on this team. I'm like, well, I'm not the fastest guy. I can't catch. I'm not the best receiver on the team. Like people tackle me all the time. So like, I don't really understand how you're telling me I'm the best, but yet, you know, it, it doesn't really translate. And so sometimes I think like we can give ourselves a false sense of reality and what happens. And maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. It's, it's like, I have to really exercise what that is in order to find out what the truth is, you know? Yeah. Did you ever believe you were the best? Uh, and if you look back now, you like, you realize you weren't the best. Did I ever think I was the best? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought I was yeah. the best. And so that was like the hard thing for me is like my parents always told me that I was the best. But I think in their minds, what they were saying is exactly what I said to my son is like, I love you no matter what. Yep. Like, that's what they were trying to relay across to me. But in the yep. communication, like it, it wasn't going through, you know yep. what I mean? And so that's what I think the key is. Well, I think you as a as a parent now understand what they're saying to you now more than you understood it then. Um, 100%. And that's why I was saying like what happened to you in the past is actually the gift, right? And so as I was trying to figure that out, like I think that conversation that I had with my son this past weekend, I think as a result of what my parents did in the past, even though like I didn't understand what they were saying and I had like conflict with that in my head, that was like part of the gift that they gave me, you know, moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So kind of on the uh, polar opposite spectrum of your parents calling you the best, like when I was going through this, I was thinking of like, what is it that, you know, something from, that was something from my past that was defining and um, my dad, I mean, I couldn't even tell you the amount of times that I got called candy ass. It was typically when I couldn't do something or something made me upset or, um, you know, maybe I was struggling with something and like some emotion was coming out. And so he referred, you know, me countless times referred to me as candy ass. That was the, you know, I guess my pet name. And the one thing that a lot of times that came along with that was he would get like, he would get angry. And uh, as he's calling me candy ass, he's getting all up in my face, like, and he would like encourage me to hit him. He always was trying to get me to hit him. And still don't know that I got a full understanding of that, but you know, in his anger and being upset with me, he was trying to get me, you know, to get physical against him. Cause that's how, you know, that was his, you know, that was his life. He, you know, he was, you know, he fought a lot and, you know, very much so on the abusive side, but uh, as far as like fighting and, you know, being like in that uh, biker world, uh, that was all part of his life. And so whenever he saw me being soft, um, like that would just like bring out some anger in him. But what that did for me and that I think that whole idea of him referring to me as candy ass, like it really showed up in, you know, I never really became, I was never a good student and I was never, uh, I played baseball, um, was never really good at it, um, but worked really hard at it. So I, you know, had some accolades as far as like, you know, earning those most improved trophies or, uh, you know, winning an award based on effort and attitude. 
And so that's always what I was able to bring to the table. But there's a time in my life where what that led to was I always thought I was going to be second place. Like I thought I was destined to be second place. And for a while I got into this, this is probably in my uh, mid to late twenties. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be a leader, but I'm a really good follower. And so I need to put myself in, in along with good leadership. And if I have a good plan, I can implement the plan. I'm just not going to be able to lead the plan. And that was a lie that kind of backed me up for a while in that, that I didn't have the ability to, you know, to take first place in something. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of think about in the past and future and in the present is like, are you operating with the truth? And so like, that's kind of what you were saying there kind of made me think about that is like, you know, almost like what you took from that, like was a, a lie, you know what I mean? Based off of what you were being told by your dad is like, you know, it made you conjure up or made you think about this lie that you were always going to be second or in second, you know, in second place. And so my question would be, how did you, how do you feel like you came out of that? Right? Like, how did you, how did you overcome that? Because, you know, you definitely, for one that I think is awesome, because I've, I've gotten to know you is that you've definitely broken that cycle. You know what I mean? And so just with you and your family and your boys, and like, uh, now, you know, you're not second place, but like, what? would you agree like that partly is that you were believing a lie or that a lie was being, you know, kind of forced upon you as opposed to the truth or what do you think about that one? Yeah. So I can really dial it back to um, when I was in my uh, early thirties and a couple of weeks ago, I shared the story about how I, uh, I broke the door at the house and that's when I really decided to get serious about my relationship with Christ. And so when I really started to figure out who I was in Christ really helped me to start to overcome those lies. And I think that was the start of the process. And then as part of that coming out of, uh, in 2000, like nine, 10 and 11, when I was going through the closing the heating and cooling company down, uh, filed bankruptcy and we were getting foreclosed on, you know, I had piled all this stress on top of me. And so I sought out a counselor and did some pretty deep dive counseling for about a year uh, with a professional counselor who who really helped me work through a ton of that. And it kind of comes down to, or not kind of comes down to, but um, in, it takes me back to the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where in Habit 7, is he calls it sharpening your saw. And he tells a story about um, a guy comes up on a guy and he's he's sawing a tree down and he's working so hard, sawing, 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 sawing the tree. And that takes me back to like when I was, when we were going through the really hard times in the heating and cooling business. Like I remember weeks I'm working like 80, hundred hour weeks and just not getting anywhere. And I'm just, you know, so this guy's just sawing, sawing, sawing and just working hard. And a guy comes up and says, Hey, why don't you take a break and sharpen your saw? And the guy cutting the tree down, like, I don't have time to take a break. I got to get this tree cut down. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, if I took, you know, 15 minute break, sharpen the saw, I'm going to cut the tree down so much faster because I got a good saw now. And so, you know, the whole idea is that I'm looking at myself as the saw. So I always need to make sure that I'm renewing myself and staying on that track so I can continually improve. One of the other big hurdles, and this is something I still wrestle with a lot, is like even doing the podcast is, you know, am I qualified to talk about it? 
And, you know, I'm sitting here talking about success without sacrifice. Well, am I successful or, you know, are the, you know, some of the feelings I get, you know, like right now, like through the COVID, you know, we're both recording in our house. So are the things that I'm saying, like, do my family even agree with? Like, as I'm talking about how much of a priority my kids are to me, do my kids feel like they're a priority to me? Am I doing the things that make them feel the way I, the the way that I want to be? And so it's really wrestling, you know, kind of going back and forth with these lies, but it's always about just kind of taking that step back and in renewing yourself. So for me, you know, to answer your question, you know, I worked with a counselor. I started working on myself, put myself around good people and figured out some goals and got some coaching in those areas. And that in getting in good coaching also put me around good people. And so that's kind of how I've projected forward out of, you know, working through a lot of my past and not letting that whole candy ass thing kind of creep its way into my life now. Yeah, man, that's like, that's awesome. I really like that. The other thing I think is like you, you, I think you constantly have to be checking like what is the truth, right? Even if the, even if it's good or bad. So like, even for myself, like I was saying how my parents always told me I was the best at something and then like something happens and then you're like, man, that might actually not be true. But like, how do you, you know, kind of gauge that to where you can use it and actually move forward with it, you know? And so that's, that's the one thing that I always struggle with is with lies and like, how, how do I know what's the truth and am I working on the truth as I move forward? And I think, you know, obviously for us, we're, you know, our, we're rooted in, you know, in Christ. And so that's kind of how we gauge that thing. And so like, does what I'm looking at, does it match up with what I, what I, what is the truth, you know? And so that's what I think is, is really uh, good on that point as well. It's like when somebody says something, is that their opinion or is that the truth? And when they say it to me, what I found is a lot of times what most people say to me has more to do with them than what it actually has to do with me. You know what I mean? And so uh, that's in all situations. So yeah. I think that's, that's like and really good. I think I found too that when I try to talk about how, you know, good I am at something or how, uh, you know, I succeeded at this or those are the stories I tell that doesn't seem to help people. The, the stories I tell about uh, where I failed, you know, how I picked myself up. Um, those are the stories that really seem to help people. And if you go back to Second uh, Corinthians twelve ten, it was the Lord talking to Paul, and He said, "You know, the Lord said my power is perfect in weakness, and so God is going to use my weaknesses way more than He's ever going to use my strengths, because and I think it has everything to do with." If I operate out of weakness, then I know I need the Lord. But if I operate out of my strengths, then I'm just doing it on my own. I think that kind of sheds light on, you know, getting through it. And so if you look at really going through those years, of, you know, that year of counseling, and if you look at going through that year of counseling, it really brought a lot of my weaknesses to light. And so those are some pretty rough weeks in having some of those conversations with my counselor. But those are the ones that are making me, you know, putting me in a position to help people. That's, that's awesome. And where that kind of takes me is like, I started, as I started like going through this whole thing, like definitely in the weakness area, 
I think there's like something there for sure, because there's always something where you're going to need help with something. Like, even if you figure out that you have something figured out, even if you think you have something figured out, there were always, you're always going to have a problem somewhere. Like things can be going good. And then something that's, something's going to happen and it's going to cause you to think. Right. And so uh, one of the things that I was thinking about as we went through this whole thing is like the past, present and the future. So a lot of times, like I don't really spend, I want to spend more time in the present. And so I think thinking about the past, like it, sometimes it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. And then also thinking too far in the future, like cannot help you as well. You've got to definitely be in the present in order to, for one to like be able to get things done. Right. And so kind of where I'm going with this is like having a sense of urgency, I think is also helpful in like helping you get things done. Um, because you know, if you're not, if you keep pushing things back or you, it, it doesn't allow you to kind of concentrate on like what's going on at the moment and in that time. And so, um, I think of, I want to pull it back to this. There's, there's a book I really like by Robert Greene. It's the 33, the 33 strategies of war. And kind of the thing that he talks about is like, he talks about Hernan Cortez when he was coming and he was uh, coming to conquer Mexico, right? He was coming and he, they, they rode their ships in. And this is where that quote, like you got to burn the boats kind of comes from is like, he came in and his men, they were like there and they were going to like conquer this land. But he knew that they were thinking about, you know, back home, their wives, their families and the other things that were that were back home. But what he did is he like actually burned the boats that they came in on. And it was like, OK, you've only got one option for what you want to do here. Now, you can either, you know, go ahead and conquer and live or you're going to die here. There's like, there's no turning back. There's no plan B. And I think what that does is it kind of focuses you on what your task is at hand. And a lot of times we think like having a plan B or having something else to fall back on, like is helpful to us. But in all actuality, I think it's like kind of a hindrance. And so for me, like thinking about the future and sometimes thinking about the past can also be a hindrance. Like if you've you just sit down and you focus on like what is needs to be done right now. You can actually get a lot of things done. Uh, that was like one of the other things that I had, you know, kind of thinking about as we were kind of like going through uh, this, you know, thinking about this. Yeah, that's awesome. And that makes me think of uh, Dwayne Johnson, you know, the rock, he's got a speech that he gives the LA Lakers. It's on, um, on YouTube. I think it's like 20, 22 minutes, just uh, Google, if you want to listen to it, Google The Rock's uh, speech to the Lakers. And he talks about being backed up against the wall and how that's how where he operates the best. When he knows his back's against the wall, that's when he's going to deliver. And it goes along with the, you know, for me, I don't, you know, I don't like my past, so I don't spend time thinking about my past. And then I'm not real great uh, because, because the way my past, uh, had trained me, I was, you know, I'm really good at living in the present um, and not that great living in the future. And so it's really been some work for me to put that future plan together um, and allowing my present plan to be driving to those future goals. Yeah, it's interesting to, ha- to think about how we're different. And so like, I oftentimes, I concentrate more on the future. And so for me, like those, that's kind of why I like gravitate towards resources that like bring me into the present. And so the other thing 
in that book, 33 Strategies of War, the other thing he kind of talks about is death. And so he talks about how in society, we kind of put death, we kind of put it like out of sight, out of mind. And so that's one of the things that I think is also helpful in helping us get things done and getting a sense of urgency on like what we need to do now and like getting things done now, because one of our mentors that we kind of uh, both look at is Kent Clothier. And one of his mantras is the time is now because he's got a story about what happened with him and he almost died on an airplane. And as I, as I look at, I always, for myself, I always look at folks who have uh, done great things. And then like on their death, I like to hear like what they say on their deathbed. It sounds kind of cryptic, but like, for instance, people always say they wish they spent more time with their family and like told people that they love them, you know, in those times. Or I just read about Steve Jobs and he talked about how he had like so much money and business success. But yet, you know, at the end of his life, he's like, this absolutely means nothing to me. And he wished he would have done um, a few other things differently, you know, and I'm sure we'll all think, wish we had done a few things differently, you know, at the end of our life. But that's kind of the thing I look at. And so just getting urgent on what we're doing now. And so kind of that same story with Cortez, like making sure like the, the boats are burned. Now I've got to get down to business right now. And then with the death thing, like, I don't know how much time I have left getting down to business right now. And so I think that really helps you focus in on like what actually matters. And if there's crisis going on, like if, if there was an earthquake right now, like I wouldn't be worried about my past and I wouldn't be worried about my future. I'd be worried about like getting safety right now, you know? And so just kind of a mindset thing that I kind of put in there. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up, if I had to give like one bit of advice, uh, to anyone that's maybe, you know, kind of stuck in their past or uh, isn't moving forward with the goals or the things that they know that they want to be or going to, are, are they're not being the person that they know they're called to be is just really try to define that lie you're telling yourself. And so you can recognize that it is a lie. If you can get to the lies you're telling yourself um, and get those cleared up, that's going to clear a path for you to really move forward. And that was the work that I had to, you know, put in back in, really and really got serious about it in 2010, 11. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And so, yeah, from my perspective, that's the same thing I would say is like identifying what is truth and then not, yeah, not uh, working with a lie, like what someone tells you or even what you're telling yourself, like always challenge the, um, what is going on in your head? Like, is that a lie or not? And then what I always try to do is I always try to break myself down to zero and like try to create a sense of urgency in whatever I want to do and figure out like what actually matters and what needs to be done, like to kind of drive forward. So that's kind of the things that I kind of think about, um, as I, uh, as I move forward, thinking about moving forward from the past. And then the also know that your past does not equal your future. And what was the quote we, we talked about? Uh, history repeats itself. History doesn't repeat itself, but it also often rhymes. Yeah. Hi- history yeah. doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I think that's like really awesome because it's like your past doesn't equal your future. The past doesn't equal, yeah, your future. But it's like it will probably can look very similar based on what's happened in the past, you know. And so I think that's really, really good. 
Yep, definitely. And as as always, I could probably keep going on and on about this. But right now, we're going to take a break uh, for our feature called Time to Invest. Hey, hey, welcome to Time to Invest. Today, I want to talk to you about three questions that you should ask any realtor you're working with on the investment side. So if you have an agent that you're talking to about investing with, here's the three top questions I think you need to know. The first is, do you invest? You want to know if that agent is an active investor. A lot of your really good agents that work with investors are investors themselves. That gives us that gives them and us some insight in what's happening in the investment market. Second question is, what type of investors do you currently work with? You want to know, are they working with flippers, wholesalers, you know, buy and hold investors, and they may be all over the board. You know, me, I work with guys that like to flip houses. I work with guys that buy and hold rentals. And then we do some wholesaling ourselves. And uh, because I'm doing some wholesaling, that allows me to get some much better deals for investors. So you want to know if the agent is out there um, buying off-market properties themselves. Third question is, what percentage of your deals are off-market? 50% of all home sales are off market. And by off market, I mean off the MLS. This stat um, is one that I heard about three years ago. Could not believe it that half of the homes do not even make it to the MLS. And so is your agent involved in dealing with homes that are off market? Because that's where investors pick up the best deals. If you ever have any questions about investing in real estate, Reach out to Jacoby and I. We'd love to give you some direction, share insight, and maybe help you take the next step towards that. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the feature there, Time to Invest. And so we just want to say thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast where we talked about how your past does not have to be your future. And so in here, we talked about a couple of uh, resources that we uh, liked. Jerry talked about the seven habits of highly effective people, really great story about sharpening the saw rather than being too busy to, uh, don't be too busy. Sometimes you need to stop, sharpen the saw, and then go back to going to work, which can make things a lot easier. And then also the 33 strategies of war by John Green, uh, talked about, you know, Hernan Cortez and how he said to, how he had to burn the boats, uh, whenever they were coming over here to conquer, uh, Mexico and how sometimes having a plan B uh, is not helpful and uh, kind of putting your back against the wall and resetting. And uh, also you can take a look at uh, The Rock. He's got a a uh, speech that he gives to the LA Lakers on YouTube. So if you just YouTube The Rock and his speech to the LA Lakers, he kind of talks about putting his back against the wall and how that helps him uh, move forward in that. And then lastly, you know, uh, talk about turning pro and fear and how fear can stop us uh, from getting the things that we want in the future as well. Are you listening to lies or are you actually working with what is the truth? And so I uh, really had a good time talking with Jerry on this episode. Once again, thank you so much for joining, joining us here. And we just ask that you, if you enjoyed what you heard here, heard here that you would leave us a five-star review and a five-star rating. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.